to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. John is a research biologist at Agriculture Agri-Food Canada in Nepan, Nova Scotia. His areas of expertise includes pasture grazing systems, red meat, animal nutrition, and beef cattle. John is also the owner-operator of the pasture-raised free-range meat operation Holdenka Farms in Wallace Bay, Nova Scotia. Katie is a ruminant livestock specialist at Perennia, originating from Northern Ontario, where she recently completed her Master's of Science in Animal Nutrition at the University of Guelph. During her Master's, she focused closely on sheep and beef. Katie's experience includes research trials, farm visits, and monitoring lambing ewes. As a master's student, Katie managed a two-year research project that looked at determining fiber requirements for market lambs. So again, I want to thank Katie and John for being with us here today to talk a little bit more about feeding programs related to our forage and uh, ration balancing and the overall ruminant diet. And uh, thanks very much for being with us here, folks. Like our harvest uh, discussion we had here previously, I'd like to start out with a fairly easy question that probably has a more complex answer. And you know, once I've got all my feed in storage and I've got all my tests done and I'm sitting there looking at my forage sample results, how do I go about trying to decipher which feed or which groups of feed I should be feeding to which group of animals? So what you're talking about is how to create a feed budget. So basically that's a plan for the year of when to feed, what forage, and to whom. So in order to do that, there's a couple steps. First off, sorting your livestock is the first step. So uh, if you're a beef producer, uh, probably you'll wanna sort out your mature cows from your cows that need a bit better quality forage. So if that's your heifers or some thin cows or some feeder calves, or if you're a sheep producer, uh, you'll sort your sheep, not only based on the groups of sheep, like your lambs and your ewes and your, your feeder lambs, but then also the stage of production that they're in. You'll want to save your best forage for your ewes in late pregnancy and early lactation, for example, uh, when they have their highest nutritional needs. Another thing that you want to look at is, is the forage tests themselves. And you really want to be looking at these on a dry matter basis. There'll be two columns per forage. The first column, it'll say as is or as fed. Um, so that's just the state that it's in now with all the moisture in it. And then the next column is the dry matter basis. So this is that same forage, but just all of the water content that's been removed so that you're able to compare those forages together. So it's more of a comparing apples to apples basis. So the first three things that I'm really looking at are what is the dry matter content? If it's really wet, then it might be leaching nutrients. So you might have an increased risk of spoilage. Uh, you also don't want it too dry because then it may not ferment as well. Uh, I don't see this as often though. Then I also look at the crude protein and then the total digestible nutrients or the TDN, which is basically the energy content of the feed. So once you're looking at those three main things, you're able to get an idea of what's the relative forage quality 
between the different forages that you have available. Um, and then it's just knowing how to match up the needs of your livestock in their different stages of production with the forages that you have available. So Rad, circling back to your question about um, coming up with the feed budget. So the idea behind the feed budget is that you don't want to be feeding, uh, whether it's unknowingly or not, you don't want to be feeding your best forage to your livestock. Uh, say for example, at the end of the fall when they're coming off of pasture for the year and maybe their nutritional demands are not very high. Because uh, once that's fed out, um, and then if you're left with your lower quality forages later in the winter, uh, when your livestock are in a more demanding period of their production, like if your ewes are in late pregnancy or early lactation, you are going to have to compensate for that poor feed quality. Uh, so you're going to end up paying for whether you're supplementing that poor feed or you're going to run into some poor performance from your animals, which is going to affect your profitability in, a, in another way. So basically, knowing what feeds you have available, knowing the targets you need to meet for your livestock needs, uh, you're going to be able to plan out your feed in advance. Um, and you're going to end up saving yourself money by allocating each forage to its best use. John, I'm going to ask you, as your role as a farmer, not maybe as a grazing and pasture and forage guy, how important is it for you um, to make sure that you develop a feeding program or forage budget or feeding budget similar to what Katie uh, just mentioned in, in not only just maximizing your feed, but maybe minimizing your aggravation in the long run. Oh, well, that's critically important. And on my farm, we have both sheep and beef cattle. And the sheep definitely get the priority on the high quality feeds because as, as Katie mentioned, they're very much higher, higher needs than, than the, the cows. With our cow herd, one of the big decisions that we make with our cow herd is to, is to not start calving until early to mid-June. And that way our cows actually have their lowest energy needs through the middle of winter. So that means we can get away with feeding them the, the lowest quality feeds, which makes it quite easy to, to keep them on, on in a cost-effective way. And then we, when they have the highest uh, intakes and need the highest quality feed, they're on pasture when we have, have the most of that to work with. So it kind of balances nicely in our, in our overall growing season, production season. But the, she the sheep are <laughs> a lot more complicated that way because we, we do have uh, a batch that typically will lamb sort of in uh, late January, February. And those guys, we get, they get the absolute best quality feed that we can. Um, most years we don't have to supplement with much or any added grain. Um, but really, that, that does depend upon the year and, and on, you know, when, when the feed is able to be made. On my own farm, we actually don't own any hay equipment, so we buy in a significant portion of our feed, and we also get a neighbor to custom make a, the balance of our feed. So you know, this, typically, our bought-in feed tends to be our highest quality, just because I'm able to spec that, and, and that works very well. So it's usually like a, a, a good quality second cut dry hay that we're feeding to our our sheep in, in midwinter. Haven't tested my feed for this winter yet, but I will. We'll be getting to that as soon as we I get a chance, and and see whether we need to give any any further supplementation with it. But ideally, we're looking for something that's going to be in that, you know, high 60s to low 70s for TDN, and something that's going to be about a 14 to 16 percent crude protein, and then we're feeling fairly good that uh, a ewe in in good body condition coming into lamb in midwinter will will do okay on that. 
and this is that's a similar feed that we'll also use for any of our growing or finishing calves and and lambs and and with that second cut hay it gives, gives it a nice there's not much for stem to worry about so you get a pretty good utilization of it it might seem expensive to buy in but it's, it's actually quite cost effective sort of in the bigger picture but like you know our, our cows that are going to be our outside all winter and and have a minimal need actually they're going to be grazing corn most of this winter with a little bit of bale grazing to supplement and they're dead easy that way i i should qualify though that for every every animal that you have you really want to try and make sure they're in very good body condition going into winter because that has a big impact on what you need to feed them and if you have thin animals going into winter regardless of whether you're whether growing animals or or mature animals that really changes what they're going to need for energy to to either continue to grow and, and get finished to get out the door for you or to get themselves ready to give birth and, and produce and breed back. In upcoming events, the Nova Scotia cattle producers are introducing an on-farm preconditioning pilot project later this year where cattle preconditioning services will be available to members. Please visit nscattle.ca forward slash preconditioning for more information. The Nova Scotia cattle producers would like to announce their upcoming zone meetings scheduled for the week of January 10th, 2022. More details can be found at nscattle.ca. Upcoming sales at Atlantic Stockyards. The next feeder sale will be on December 7th and follow every second Tuesday throughout the fall and winter. Ballamore Farm Limited is having a breeding stock sale on December 4th at 1 p.m. Check the Ballamore website and Facebook page for more updates. And make sure you check atlanticstockyards.com for a full fall schedule. A reminder that there are many Nova Scotia programs open for the 2021-2022 year, such as the Cattle and Sheep Industry Development Program, which has an application deadline of February 28th, 2022. For a full list of programs, as well as applications and guidelines, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. So I'm just going to circle back to something that kind of piqued my interest there, John, and the whole concept of you know, buying in your best quality feed, and it may not be the most expensive option compared to trying to grow it and harvesting it yourself. That's something we don't see a lot of, especially in, you know, anything above kind of a medium or average sized herd. Can you give us a little bit more around your thought pattern and how that fits in with your overall forage management program? Well, equipment is expensive. There's no doubt about it. The timing on when you need to do your harvest. We've got a lot of things on the go with our farm where we do processing, marketing, as well as the, the management of the, of the livestock. And 20 years probably since we tried to make our own feed consistently. And anytime we would get into the, the management of making feed, you want to do it right. You want to do a good job. So something was always suffering. We were missing out on market. We were missing out on, on managing our animals in the right way. Our pastures were suffering. So it, it kind of made more sense to find people we could work with. Uh, I've worked with uh, dairy farmers who have, most years we tend to have some surplus feed that tends to be quite good quality. I've, you can usually find when you get asking around or working with people like, like our experts at, at Perenia or other places, people that might have the, the right kind of feed that you would need for your, for your livestock. You know, the, the time, the fuel cost and the cost of the equipment add up pretty fast and I, I think you, you need to have a pretty good sized herd if you really want to say those costs are well justified to make all your feed yourself my thought on it anyway 
from the business management side, I think that the, that's the part that intrigues me. And I know with one of the groups that I, that I work with as well is, you know, we have our feed custom harvested every year and no matter who harvests it or when it gets harvested, we always seem to struggle with quality and, you know, we're, we're trying to grow our own feed. And I've, I've often said, and I think you and I, or you and I and Jonathan have had this conversation, like, are we not better off just to spec out our feed and, and pay based on quality and quantity? And uh, it would probably save us a lot of headaches in the long run by saying, you know, I need 300 tons of this type of feed um, and if you provide us with better quality, there's a bonus. And if there's lower quality, there's a, there's a deduction here. And, you know, I, as simple as that sounds, I think that's fairly innovative thinking in particularly the animal agricultural world. The other thing that allows me to look at either buying in or custom making my feed that way is that we really focus on as long of a pasture of a grazing season as possible. So that minimizes our need for forest stored feed. So if we can graze, you know, most years, all of our livestock are on pasture until sometime in December. And we've gone as late as the third week of January on, on grazing perennial feeds. Last year, our cows were on uh, corn grazing until the end of February. This year, I'm hoping to stretch that into the last week of March. So again, that really minimizes our need for these stored feeds, which helps to balance out the, the whole cost of of the picture and, and the quantity that you need as well. Good insight. And I encourage our listeners to think about animal feeding, not just as a pasture system and a forage system, but, you know, as John describes, using those together to maximize and one and minimize the other. Let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, now we've got our feed budget in place and we know what we're going to be feeding to each group of and type of livestock. So what do we need to do to, you know, we've, once we've looked after our, our tests and if we do require some sort of supplemental feed, whether it's a grain or, or prepared feed or whatever the case may be, you know, how do we determine what that supplement is and how do we include that in our overall ration and uh, how do we mix that or how do we get it uh, to ensure that it's being fed in a way that it's going to, again, maximize that animal growth? So I can speak to that. So um, what you need to have is an understanding of the nutritional needs of the animals that you're feeding um, and match those up with the nutrition that the forage provides. So I find that the easiest way to do this is to use a ration balancing software. So I use uh, cow bites for feeding cattle or sheep bites for feeding sheep. So these are both available online, but I'm also very happy to balance rations for producers as well. Um, and this allows you to really maximize the value of your feed and then that feed test as well. Um, so basically you, you plug in the values from your feed and you plug in the values for your livestock. And so these softwares make it really easy to see um, where you might have some deficiencies and makes it easy to see um, how to balance that. So for example, if you need more energy in a ration, you can select a grain that fits your ration and it's gonna add value to your operation. Um, so the software that I use, it also allows me to input factors like grain prices um, and it also generate estimations like on average daily gains so that it's possible to balance um, like grain prices against animal performance. Um, so I can work with a producer to come up with a feeding plan that meets their goals. Um, so if energy is a limiting factor in the diet, your animals won't be performing efficiently 
Uh, and if they're getting too much energy, there's going to be a waste. So when you're selecting a grain, like some really typical options for this area would be barley, oats, wheat, or corn. They're all pretty similar, but they do have some different feeding values uh, and they obviously cost different as well. Uh, barley and oats tend to be quite a bit cheaper than corn. They do have lower energy content, but uh, when you run it through the program and you can look and you can see that it often is more economical to be feeding, but it does depend on your situation and how much you need to be feeding and the current prices. Um, and then if protein is lacking, a really common protein supplement would be soybean meal. Uh, ruminants, they can also eat uh, whole soybeans. Um, they don't have to be roasted. And then even wheat, it's about 14% protein. So if you use a little bit of wheat in your ration as well, sometimes that'll bump your protein up enough if it's not terribly deficient. And then using these softwares, you can also figure out how much of a target of a vitamin and a mineral package um, to offer to prevent any deficiencies. So often in the Maritimes, you'll wanna be looking for a package that is really high in selenium because our soils, we basically have no selenium in our soils. So that, that will be true of what we grow here as well. So our, our forages and our grain will, will be basically have no selenium in them. So it is worth it to buy that sort of premium mineral package that has that extra selenium. And then other small things, like you'll know if you need to be adding limestone in order to balance your calcium levels or uh, ammonium phosphate to prevent urinary calculi in your feeder lambs uh, if that balance is a little bit iffy. Using a software like this, there is a bit of a learning curve, uh, but it really lets you fine tune things. And by fine tuning things, you're going to be maximizing the efficiency of how well your animals are performing. Here's the market report for the weekend at November 26, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mart for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was $1.80 per kilogram, down $0.05 cents from last week. And Ontario base price was down $0.05 cents from last week to $1.71 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $1.90 per kilogram, down $0.6.2 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price Atlantic beef products remains unchanged at $2.63 on the rail. In Ontario, live steer sold for $1.56, moving up three cents from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.66, down one cent from last week. Call Cattle Atlantic Stockyard sold for 81 cents, an upward change of nine cents from last week, while rail price Atlantic beef products was $1.23, down five cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged 57 cents, down six cents from last week, and were flat in Quebec at 58 cents. Good dairy bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds Atlantic Stockyards average $67, down $18. And good dairy beef bob calves average $131, down $82 from last week. Meanwhile, calves in Ontario were up one cent to a base price of $1.24 per pound. And calves in Quebec were $1.13, an increase of three cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland is $11.30 per kilogram and mutton sits at $6.50 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average 250 per pound at 60 pounds. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs average 350 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from $1.45 to $4. And in Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs average 319 per pound at 72 pounds, ranging from 10 cents to $3.70. Use Atlantic Stockyards average $160. And in Ontario, use average 
a dollar eighty-seven and a half at one hundred thirty-nine pounds, and range from sixty-seven cents to two fifty-seven and a half. Make sure you check the association websites for additional pricing information. Okay, I think Katie really hit you know hit on some really important points, and this ability to have the cost of your grains tied in there to know what's going to be your most cost-effective grain is so important. And, and this year we're probably looking at fairly high grain prices through the winter. But you know, working with someone like Katie to come up with your most cost-effective ration it might surprise you that you know, even though you know, say corn might be whatever it's going to be, it, oftentimes if that's what gets your animals to the point you need in the shortest possible time, you know, you you'll know if that is the the right direction to go or not. It's really, really quite a helpful tool. I've heard from quite a lot of producers that there's mycotoxins in a lot of barley this year. So uh, some people are looking at feeding binders in order to, to counteract that, uh, but binders are not inexpensive as well. So that's something else to factor in. So I don't know what corn is gonna end up looking like, uh, but if corn is a, a safer choice, it also might end up being, might be more expensive, but then when you factor in everything, uh, yeah, it might end up being more cost-effective this year as well. Yeah, I guess as I'm sitting here, one of the key messages I'm hearing is, you know, you, you have to know what you have to work with, and then you have to maximize your output and minimize your, your costs. So working with folks like Perennia and the team of specialists they have there and working with folks like John and some other nutritionists around, or folks that focus on nutrition around the region, you know, that that's really the best way to sort this all out for most producers. Is there anything else I'm missing here? Like, it seems like a, to me, a pretty simple concept is know what you have, come up with a plan and then execute the plan. Yep, I totally agree. Um, so providing a balance for ash to your livestock, it is one of the best ways to ensure that your animals are performing as efficiently as possible. Um, and it really is impossible to balance a ration without testing your forage. So it, it might seem like a pain in the butt to go and take the samples when you've got a million other things on the go. Uh, but once it's done for the season, then uh, you can feel good knowing that uh, you've got a better handle on your nutrition plan for the year. And when you're working with, with breeding livestock, it's really, you really wanna pay close attention to that last trimester, just you know, when they're getting ready to calve to make sure your animals have good condition on them. Because a lot of times when you get into issues either with, with weaker calves or or, or weak lambs been used that don't have enough milk. It's often that last trimester where you, where you might have been lacking a little bit in protein or energy or, or something key there. Sometimes it's a micronutrient as well on your mineral side. But to make sure that you're you're hitting that critical window really well to make sure you're going to have a successful birthing season. I totally agree with that. For example, 70% of a lamb's growth happens in that last six weeks of pregnancy. So it's really critical that you've got your nutrition bang on during that time, because uh, that's a huge demand on a used body. And then another thing to keep in mind in that time is that as those lambs are growing, whether you've got twins or triplets or even quads, so as they grow, they're taking up increasing space in her abdominal cavity. And so they're gonna be pressing on her rumen and reducing the amount of space uh, for her rumen to expand. So she physically cannot eat as much, uh, even though her nutritional demands are so much higher. So going back to um, feed budgeting, so it's a good idea to save your driest feeds. So those are gonna be the feeds with the highest dry matter content for late pregnancy, 
just so that the food that she is eating, uh, it's more concentrated nutrients and less of what she's eating is actually just moisture and she's filling up on, on water that's not gonna contribute to her uh, nutritional needs. Uh, it's just such an important thing. So we're getting to wrap up a, another discussion here, folks, around really about animal nutrition and animal productivity. So if you had one closing statement or you know, take-home message for producers is how important is it to have an overall well-managed forage production and forage management plan and feeding program for ruminants here in the Maritimes? I don't know if I'm biased because this is something I'm really passionate about, but I think it is the most important. Um, and I would love to see more people testing their forages and I would love to help them come up with a, a feeding plan for the year. It is really critical. You, you need to really take a look at your your production system of what you're trying to grow and achieve and kind of see when your, your calving or lambing takes place. That kind of sets the stage for what quality feeds you want when you're, when you're shifting from pasture to, to storage feeds. You know, it's all, it's all part of that big picture and it does take a planning and you, you know, every year is different. So you can't beat yourself up if things go wrong because every, every growing season is different, season is different and every, we just can't predict all all those kind of things, but still, we to have that big picture to have to start with a plan and to try your best to achieve that is going to make it a lot more chance that you're going to have a successful production year and hopefully a profitable production year. Well, folks, with those words of wisdom, I'd definitely like to thank both of you for being with us again today. Um, look forward to having any conversations we may have in the future, and um, this sounds like a topic that we can turn into not only a podcast but. Uh, maybe our listeners will have a lookout for uh, a potential online workshop that will host uh, on ration balancing and forage management. And I will remind our listeners that uh, through the uh, soil pasture and forage management program with the Nova Scotia cattle producers, part of that program is to engage someone like Shane or Katie or John or, or Jonathan at Perennia to, to put together a bit of a feeding plan for them. So we encourage you uh, to look at that program and if not uh, at least reach out to some of the the folks that we have here in the region uh, that can help you put those plans together so with that folks thanks for being with us today and we'll chat again in the near future don't want to miss any future episodes subscribe to a maritime acast today through anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify or your other favorite podcast platform this concludes another episode of maritime acast we would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.